0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons.
1: Uh, let me go ahead and have you turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And as you know, we're continuing in our whole series as we've been talking about discipleship. is about relationships. We talked about Philemon, about forgiveness. We talked about David and Jonathan, about friendship and the importance of it as we minister to other people, as God ministers to us. And today I want to really focus in on this idea of not only discipleship or mentorship, but to kind of look at it as how do we grow in general with other people. And I think this is going to be a very important topic for us. And so I wanted to start off and just ask you if there was any skill that you want to learn right now at this very moment, um, who would you want to learn it from? So think about that for a moment. If there's any skill that you want to learn right now, who would you want to learn this skill from? Maybe I could put it in this way. If you want to learn how to invest your money, would you want to learn from a person who just graduated from the B school at HKUST or from Warren Buffett?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, now some people are lying okay so yes L- let me put it another way if you wanted to learn how to cook would you want to learn from a person who just graduated from culinary school or Gordon Ramsey but as many of you know as many of you know there is a cost if you want to learn from the best there's always a cost Sometimes it's financial. Those of you who might not know and you decided you wanted to learn from Warren Buffett, he auctions off one hour of his life, like a lunchtime, one hour. And so anyone can bid. And the most recent one, well, I don't know if it's the most recent, but in 2019, do you know how much the winning bid was? the winning bid for one hour with Warren Buffett to learn as much as you can within that one hour was $4.57 million USD. It's not in rupias, all right? All right? <laughs> Rupius messes you up with all those thousands, but. 4.57 million USD. And I'm thinking, what am I doing with my life? You know, all the hours of counseling people, you know? Gordon Ramsay, as you know, uh, you know what it takes to learn from the best. Just look at his shows, Hell's Kitchen, Master Chef. some of the critique and some of the comments that are made to make that person better and to win in that TV show. I don't know how many of you watched the documentary Jiro uh, Dreams of Sushi. Can I see it? Anyone seen that? If you, if you, let me just say, if you love food and you love sushi or sashimi or whatever it may be, this is one show you got you to watch. Because I remember when it first came out, um, and y- you can look at the documentary there, the cover, but when it first came out, my brother actually called me. Uh, my younger brother, his name is Mark, and he called me and he said, Seth, you, you got to watch this documentary. It is so good, because he knows that I like food, he knows that I like uh, Japanese food, so he said, you got to watch this. And I said, what is this about? And he said, it's about a guy who makes sushi. I'm like, what? How how can a show be good about a guy making sushi? But he says, you got to watch this. You will be inspired. This man is on a mission. That's all I had to hear, mission and sushi. So I said, all right, I'm going to watch this. And believe it or not, after I watched it, I was so mesmerized. In fact, that after I watched it, I went out to eat sushi. (laughs) That's how inspiring it was. and But you think about this documentary and a lot of other things in life, it's not just being a sushi, a sushi master because it's something, it's more of an art. It's something more about passion. It's something more about mission and purpose in life because it's not just about making the sushi, but it's about the way of life. And so I wanted to uh, show you this really quick video. It's about a minute and 50 seconds long. It's a really short video. But this video, Anthony Bourdain, who passed away some years back, but uh, Anthony Bourdain, who would travel around the world and find good food to eat, he actually went into a Japanese restaurant where the chef, he was actually trained by some of the best in Japan. And I want you to listen because there are some comments that, the people who are working, and also just the commentary that's being made that gives you a glimpse of what it, seem, what it will take to learn from the best. So let's just watch this together, shall we? So his grandfather was there. His father was there. And now that guy, as he was talking with Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, he was doing that. And I don't know if you heard it, but it took them three years to learn how to make rice. Can you just imagine that for a moment, three years? And I kind of did some research on it and the reason why they do it for three years is because they just want to know if you're faithful. They want to know if you're loyal. They want to know that you have some basic character traits that you're disciplined. They won't even let you touch the fish. And after the third year, maybe they'll let you slice it up. But even then, that takes about a year or so to slice it correctly. And then to be able to make an actual sushi, it, it, it will take some time. When you think about everything that's going on in this world, well, not only in certain skill sets, but even in ministry, with so many different ministries that disarray, so many pastors having to leave the ministry, there's so many things going on. We have been in a generation where everything is about instantaneous results. Everything is about, well, if I do this, then I get to get this. That's why you have a lot of people who are in the ministry who hasn't had the time to build the character. And so what we do is we begin to carry a lot of responsibilities when we don't have the character in our lives to be able to do some of the ministry. Now, I'm not going to the other extreme and that you got to be perfect and you got to be all this to even do any form of ministry. No, that's not it either. But one thing that I've learned over the years is the greater responsibility that you have the greater that your capacity and your character has to grow. Because why? You have greater consequences because of what? Because now you're responsible for more people and for a greater portfolio that you have to oversee whatever it may be. And this is just how life works. Just look at some of your bosses. Some of the bosses are very incompetent. You're like, how in the world did they get here? And a lot of times you'll realize that there are people with power and authority that are way beyond who they are as a person. And that's why companies, churches, organizations, and places around are completely falling apart because once again, these things are run by imperfect people and sinful people. Being a sushi master As I mentioned before, it's an art. It's a skill that's passed down from generation to generation. It is training that requires a lot of dedication and a lot of discipline. And it's just more than a skill because, once again, it's a devotion to a mission. It's a devotion to the way of life of making sushi. Because that is what brings pleasure when you're able to see people enjoy it as they eat it for the first time. I think this is the same way with discipleship and the relationship that God brings to your life. In many ways, it really is an art, which takes time, takes training, takes dedication to the mission, to the very thing that God has called us to make disciples of all nations. So today I want to continue on as we talk about discipleship is about relationships. As we've been talking about a relationship with God, and now we're in the section of a relationship with others. And then we're going to talk about in several weeks' time, we're going to talk about accountability, relationship with accountability. And then we're going to close out this whole summer as we talk about relationship with the laws. So let me talk about Paul's relationship with Timothy and how our investments relationally as well as spiritually we'll have great returns. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this. When we make a kingdom investment, when we make a kingdom investment, we will see God's kingdom advancement. When you make investments into the kingdom of God with relationships you have with people as well as your spiritual life and other people's spiritual life, you will then begin to see the kingdom of God advancing forward, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a life group, Whether it's in your life with other people outside of the church, you will see the kingdom of God advancing forward. So I'm going to highlight two things as we look into this passage of 2 Timothy chapter 3. The first thing is this, that we have to live, we must live impactfully, that our lives have to impact other people around us. And I'm going to explain a little bit of how to do that as we look into this passage. Let's go ahead and read. Of starting from verse uh, chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. This is what the Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. It says this, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions... Uh, I endured, yet from them all the, the Lord rescued me. Let's pause here as I look at these two verses. Now, you have to understand that Apostle Paul is writing this letter in prison, and this is towards the end of his life. Uh, we know this from history. It tells us that after this imprisonment, he was in, he, as he was in Rome, then later on he was martyred. And so this is towards the end of his life. I mean, what would it be like if you knew that you were going to die soon? that you were under trial and you would be killed as a martyr for Jesus Christ. And so the things that you're writing, the things that are on your heart, if you have ever met people who are on their deathbed, the things that they talk about, the things that they do are the most important things because everything else doesn't matter. That person who hurt you, the thing that you were not able to accomplish in your life, whatever it may be, all those things don't matter right when you're at the point of death. That's why the thing that really matters oftentimes are those who will love you and those that you loved over the years. And then he, knowing the situation and the time, Paul begins to write to Timothy. And these are words of encouragement and words of exhortation. Now, those of you who might not know, Paul was like a spiritual father to Timothy, a discipler or older mentor to Timothy. So he writes these words of encouragement and exhortation. Paul clearly states that Timothy was faithful in following Paul's life and the words that Paul taught. And as they were together for a good portion of their life together, we see how Paul impacted Timothy's life. Earlier, you will notice in verse 1 through 9, just so you could quickly peruse through it if you have your Bibles open, Paul was talking about how the times will be very difficult. It's the end times, the last days. And he says during these last days, there's going to be a lot of godlessness. Like people are not going to be worshiping God. They're going to be worshiping themselves, lovers of themselves. He talks about all these things that are happening. And I think it describes our generation right now with everything that you see, that we are in the last days. We don't know when Jesus Christ will come back, but he might come back soon. And we want to be ready and prepared. And then in verse 10, as we just read, he now begins to contrast those people with Timothy and his life and how he lived. And that's why you will notice the phrase, you however. It is an emphasis that Timothy, you're different. You're different from the world. You're different from these people who are living for themselves. And then he begins to list out, listen to me carefully, nine different traits We're not going to have time to go through all of them, but nine different traits that Timothy should have seen and witnessed as they were together. This is about life on life. This is about how one person's life can impact another person's life. And if you look at these nine different aspects of Paul's life as he was telling Timothy, you will see that it conveys this idea, Timothy, you've been with me. You've seen my life. You saw how I lived. And everything that I did was not about me. It was about God, about His mission. Listen to what it says in some of these other translations. It says, in the voice translation, and why don't you read the yellow section with me. Let's read it up here. It says this. You have been a good student. You have closely observed how I have lived. A student is somebody who's a learner. Not knowing, like... Not thinking to themselves they figured everything out, but they're learning. I'm looking at your life, Paul. I'm looking at how you handle trials. I'm looking at how you handle difficulties. I'm looking at how you love people. I'm looking at how you live your life 24-7. Now, we live in a media culture. As many of you know, you could take pictures and angle it and put filters and make your life look a certain way all happy. Let me just say this. Every single time you get jealous, you get depressed because you see some of your friends living their life, just understand behind that camera, they're also struggling. Can I get a good amen to that? Don't be fooled. They just want to post things to make them feel better at times. Or the humble brag. We live in a culture where we're so saturated by things around us and we present ourselves in a certain way. How many times have we taken a selfie and we had to retake it? I would love it where we cannot take it again. Whatever you took, it's like, and that's what you got to post. That's the real you. But we have to take it again, we have to put that filter, does it look nice, we alter it, and it takes forever. They're like, come on, we gotta go. We're like, hold on, hold on. So he's a student, he's learning. Listen to the message translation, it says this, say this uh, out loud with me. It says, you have been a what? Good apprentice to me. Someone who's learning how to make sushi. Someone who's learning how to pray. Somebody who's learning how to love people and do healing. They're learning. Timothy was learning. You, however, you're different, Timothy. The Passion Translation says this, but you, Timothy, have closely what? Come on, followed my example and the truth that I've imparted to you. Paul imparted truth to Timothy, and now Timothy is following that example. When you look at these nine aspects that we just read, about his life, about his aim, about his faith. You see, simply, it was a life-on-life relationship. I think it would be really hard to see Paul's conduct, like the purpose in life, his faith, and all these things, if you were not involved in that person's life. Some of you right now, you're not involved in my life. You only see me up here. When I'm like, ah, you know, and sometimes maybe not today i don't know maybe if the holy spirit possesses me because right now i'm still kind of winding down from that taxi ride so what do i hear all the time the leader would say hey i think you should meet up with pastor said they'll be good get to know him And if that was one of your next steps, then, you know, they'll check up. Did you meet up? Did you set up an appointment? They're like, fine. So, hey, Pastor? And you just wait, right? Because you don't want to say, Pastor Seth, you know, because then I might not respond. And blue tick you, and you're going to get more hurt. So you go, Pastor? And you wait a couple hours. Because I'm like, who is this? <laughs> you set up an appointment with me. You sit right across. And we talk. And then guess what happens after the meeting? You go to your discipler, your life group leader, that wasn't so bad. He's actually pretty nice. (laughs) Why? I'm not gonna like, yell at you like I do here, like, ah, you gotta repent, you know. (laughs) If you're you're not offended, you know, you don't love Jesus. (laughs) I'm not going to be saying that when I first meet you. I'm going to want to know who you are, where you're from, what's your background. See, So what, once again, some of you just know me up here and what you see. But there are people in our church who know me because I spend a lot of time with them, some of them on a weekly basis. And there are times when I'm sharing some of my struggles. There are times when I'm sharing different things that I'm going through different stresses, different things that I'm experiencing. There are things where I share sometimes even my own fears, some of my own doubts that I have. And so it completely changes the view and the perspective. That's why I realized that I might impact some of you from a distance. Oh, that, was, that kind of spoke to me. That word spoke to me. Or, oh, that time was really good as we had this event. But in terms of impact, I'm impacting those people that I'm spending time with regularly. That's why I am thoroughly convinced I would rather spend time with 12 people every single day for the rest of my life than speak to 10,000 people with a sermon. Yes, those people might get blessed or they might be God might speak to them through the word and the things that I'm preaching, but in terms of impact, it's that person or those people that I'm spending time with and they see my life. Can I ask us? Who are some of those people in your life that you are actually spending time with on a regular basis? You see them in their ups and downs and you realize, oh, this is how faith looks like. This is why we should be praying. This is why I need to learn to love people and to love God. This is what it means. I look at their life. They surrender so much. They sacrifice so much. So I want to do that in my life. They're so generous because they're always buying me lunch or coffee, and I want to learn how to do that. As I'm blessed, I want to learn how to bless other people. It's life on life, doing life together. That's what Paul did with Timothy. That's why it was impactful as Paul lived his life. In verse 11, we notice that Paul also mentions about persecutions and suffering as part of this going through life together. See, when you invest relationally to other people, people will see not only the good, but they'll also see the bad. Even mentioning places like Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, you will notice, if you you read the book of Acts, you'll notice that in each of these places, Paul, as he witnessed the power of God, was also faced with persecution, and he suffered. He was stoned almost to death, I mean, literally, people were coming to kill him. So even though Paul did not meet up with Timothy until Acts chapter 16, and some of these cities happened prior to Acts chapter 16, one of the things that you will notice that he probably heard about this Paul who went to all these places, and so when he mentions these things about the persecutions and the suffering, I'm sure Timothy heard about these legend stories. A Paul who preached the gospel even to the risk of his own life. The hardships, they didn't mean anything compared to knowing Jesus Christ. The reason why some of you right now in your life, you have a hard time growing in your relationship with God and surrendering certain things because you have not seen closely other people who have made some hard decisions because of the gospel. Some of you who are struggling with trying to see if if I should go to church or, you know, should I commit to this? But your parents are pressuring you because you haven't seen other people who literally got kicked out of the house. One person that we know was kidnapped by their parents, but they were still standing their ground to love Jesus more than anyone else in this whole wide world. You don't know those people. That's why right now in your life when there's a challenge for you to surrender things that are precious to you because Jesus means more. Not the church, not your leader, but Jesus. He means that much more than any other relationship in this world. You don't know people who have done that. So that's why for you it is not only scary but you think it's impossible. But I want to tell you today there are people who lay down their life to follow Jesus Christ. Some of you who think that if I don't get this internship, if I don't get this job, that somehow I'm not going to make it in this world, I'm not going to make any money, I'm not going to get any job. like Because all you see around you are people who have to get an intern to get that job. You haven't seen people who said yes to Jesus. It doesn't mean that if you go to internship, you're saying no to Jesus. Like, I always have to give disclaimers because my messages always get misinterpreted. So stick that in there, all right? But listen to me carefully. You haven't seen people who didn't go on an internship, and now they have an incredible job because they trusted in Jesus Christ. Because your whole life, all you see is people getting internships, and that's how you get the job. Instead of people who trusted in God and believed that God had a purpose, I think that grandpa's anger is coming out now. (laughs) I'm gonna settle down here. I'm I'm a little bit passionate about this kind of stuff. Some of you who are getting older, oh, I'm not gonna get married oh because your mom is telling you if you're 26 after 26 it's game over it's downhill and you're like oh i'm 26 next month i'm 26 but you need to see more people who are pregnant now and married and are, you know ready to deliver and they didn't get married until thir- after 30 come on jesus You haven't seen people give up their lives to chase after something bigger than themselves, which is the kingdom of God. So all you're doing is chasing after your little small little kingdom about your success, about your pleasure, about your life. And that's why your life is not being transformed because not only do you have idols in your life, but all you're doing, everything is about you. You want to impact people's life. Read the word, live according to the word, and then display it brightly and boldly, courageously. And as you do that, people will say, wow, like this is something different. But I love verse at the end of verse 11, but Paul says, yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. How many of you guys have those kind of testimony? Life was difficult. I had conflict with these people, my family, all this stuff. But yet the Lord rescued me. See, that's why it's a life of faith that Timothy learned from Paul. He says, you, however, have seen my life, my teachings, my faith. Because it was life on life. Look at verse 12 and 13 as we continue. And as he talks about this, I think it's kind of interesting because he's he's now talking about like the situation is going to get worse. He says this, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So what Paul is saying is, you know what? Like, if you want to live this kind of life that you saw in me, you're going to be persecuted. Pretty much, it's not an easy life. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are finally understanding being a Christian is not easy? Amen. It's not easy. If anyone told you, otherwise, they're lying to you. It's hard. Because it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to go with the culture. How do you live godly? How do you live with godliness? How do you live in purity? How do you live in God's righteousness? Because he tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. Do we really believe that? And so here, as we look into this passage, Paul can testify yet from all these things, the persecution, the suffering, the difficulties in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, but the Lord, he has rescued me from them all. How about us this morning? I'm wondering if you're living your life so that people can actually see your your life in such a way that it displays the power of God and the kingdom of God. Are you rubbing shoulders regularly with people who are walking this faith longer than you or walking with people who are just starting off this journey and you want to mentor them and disciple them? I want that to be a part of our church DNA, that we are walking with each other, whether you're older or younger, whether you are age-wise or whether you are older or younger spiritually, it doesn't matter because You have people who've lived life longer, even though they've been a Christian less, but they've lived life. They've gone through things. Death of loved ones, they know the pain. To learn from them. As well as for some of us who are older to think about when we were a freshman in college and how hard that was. Some of the struggles we went through now, God has delivered us and rescued them us from the, all these things. And now we look at some of these younger guys who are coming up into our church and we're saying, you know what? My heart breaks for you because I went through my own struggles during this time. We must live impactfully. The second and last point is this. We must not only live impactfully, but we must learn Intentionally, that we must learn intentionally. Let's go ahead and read verse 14 and 15 as Paul continues as he's writing to Timothy. He says this But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You will notice in verse 14, another strong reference, an emphatic language to Timothy. He says, but as for you, just like earlier in verse 10, but you, however, it's literally speaking directly to Timothy and it's very emphatic. You'll see this also, this phrase of, but as for you, you'll see this in three other parts in this book alone, in Chapter 2, verse 1. In chapter 3, verse 10. In chapter 4, verse 5. It's almost as if Paul is saying, I want to emphasize some important things to you. It's emphatic. Listen to me. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to encourage you, but you've got to listen. This is important. This is for you, Paul says to Timothy. What Paul wanted Timothy to do is to continue to hold on to what he learned and what he firmly believed. Now the phrase firmly believed is translated as become convinced of or been assured of. When you have been assured of something, that means that you have no more doubts. You, you, you believe, you could bank on it. You could be like, yes, if, I, if this happens, then this is going to happen. And what is that he's referenced to? It's his faith in Christ. Your salvation, the God who is faithful to us, the goodness of God. Even though there's going to be things that will shake up that knowledge of, oh, is God really good? I'm going through all this stuff. But you're assured of it. You you know it to be true. You are convinced of it because he has been faithful to you all these years. He has been good to you all these years. Maybe right now you don't feel it because things are difficult, but you've been there before. You've been through some hard things. But God has delivered you. He helped you. He opened your eyes. He saw, he saw your need, and he met it in a way that honors him and glorifies him. The thing is this. Who was it that Paul was specifically referencing to when he told Timothy that you've learned these truths? Who did he learn it from? Well, first of all, as we looked earlier, he learned it from Paul himself. You see my life. You see my aim in life. You see my faith. Even when I was in these cities, you heard about them. All these things, he goes, you learn these truths from me. But also, I want you to know that he's referencing to, when he talks about his childhood, he's referencing to Timothy's mom and grandma. Let me read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 5 in the ESV, it says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, they had faith in Christ. And ever since he was young, he saw that faith lived out. Listen to what the voice translation says about those people that he learned this faith from. It says, so surely you ought to stick to what you know is certain. All you have learned comes from, come on, say this, people you know and trust. Think about all the people you know and that you trust right now in your life because they have proven themselves over and over to you in your lifetime or maybe in this past year. They've been there with you when things are good. They've been with you when things are bad. They're the ones who are saying, hey, how can I pray for you? They're loving on you when you know that you don't deserve that kind of love. So can I just say this to those of us who are parents, and if you're watching, you're a parent. This is the reason why sometimes, even though it's hard as a parent, but when you love and you impart God's truth, His word, And not only just bringing them to church, because it's not the church's responsibility to take care of their children, their spiritual life. It's your responsibility as a parent to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Because we only see them for a couple hours a week. But you see them almost, what, 12 some hours. From the morning you wake up to the time you take them to school and then when they come back. Because then the other half is what they learn in school. And my encouragement to use this, even though sometimes it seems like nothing's sinking in, they'll remember. Because nothing is done in vain as you do it in faith. Also, can I address to some of us who are getting older, you really got to be teachable and willing to learn. Some of you, when you were in college, you were more humble. You were willing to learn. You were willing to grow right now as a single adult you've lost that desire because of your pride because you think you know that or some of you I've been there I've done that and I'm telling you right now you don't see it but you're slowly eroding and you are dying inside your soul that's the same one with me I could be like I'm better than all the people in my church I know more than them I'm better than them I do this more that's going to kill me that's why I got to keep on growing. I got to keep on reading. I got to keep on studying. I got to keep on hanging out with people who are a little bit further than me, learn some of the lessons that they learned around my age. Some of the things that they're doing that I'm seeing and I'm like, wow, that's something that I've never thought about. I have to keep on growing. As soon as I stop growing, our church is going to stop growing, whether spiritually or whatever, relationally, we're going to stop growing. Because I'm the cap. The leaders are the cab. That's why I keep on telling the leaders, you got to keep on growing. But I love this, but ultimately, the person that we know and we trust is God. Because people will fail you. Your leaders will fail you. Your pastors will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your bosses will fail you. That's why when you know and trust God who is our ultimate teacher and discipler, then you realize it's really about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And the people that God sends my way are those who are trying to help point to this Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Passion Translation says. This It says, yet you must continue to advance in strength and with the truth wrapped around your heart, being assured by God that, what, come on, the only one who has taught truly taught you all these things. I thought that was a good translation because he's talking about Paul, he's talking about Lois, he's talking about Eunice, but it's pointing now back to, it's God who taught you all these things because through his spirit. Let's finish off in verse 16 through 17. And then Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The reference to God's word is so important in this, in this section as we're talking about learning, growing. Because when you think about discipleship relationships, You cannot grow apart from the Word of God. Can you turn to somebody next to you and say, you cannot grow apart from the Word of God? I think for some of us, we spend a lot of time with people. And that's great. Listen to me carefully. You spend a lot of time with your life group leader or other people, your LCG. That's great. But the thing is that there are times when they might not point you to Jesus, but they might point to, and you might be pointed to their charisma, to their kindness, whatever it may be. Like I said, there's nothing wrong by looking at examples, but ultimately your eyes have to be fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, in the book of Hebrews tells us. He's the pioneer who has gone before us, and so we're following him. He's our ultimate leader. That's why I find it so interesting, some of you who are more rebellious by nature, you don't like to follow leaders. But you forget that sometimes God appoints leaders in your life so that they can help direct them to, direct you to him. So those of you on the other extreme, like I don't need anyone but God, then it's your pride. And it's so obvious, I could, I could always tell when someone has been discipled or mentored by somebody in their spiritual journey. You can always tell. Night and day. It's almost like there are those who are so unaware of what they say and what they do. That even though they're all spiritual things, they're all good things, but they've never been discipled to the ways of Christ. That sometimes you shouldn't be saying certain things. Even though they're all truth and they're all good, sometimes you shouldn't say it. Sometimes things that you do might be very spiritual. You might look spiritual. It might be self-righteous, but it's not helping the situation. In fact, everyone now is drawing distance from you because no one told you that every single time you do those things, you're repelling people rather than drawing them. That's a discipleship issue. You can love God. You can pray to God. But I'm telling you right now, if you have not been discipled, that means there is no one in your life who's courageous enough, loves you enough to tell you, hey, bro, like, every single time you do that, it just rubs people the wrong way. Hey, sister, you know, you, you know we love you, but every single time you get all, like, a fit. Just everyone wants to avoid you. That's not really Christ-like. But you know what the irony is? These are the people who are actually reading the Bible. They're praying. They're doing all, serving, doing all the stuff. That's why I realized that this is my own wickedness of my own heart. Sometimes when I go to these pastor's gatherings, like, like there are certain people I gravitate towards and other people I'm like, ah, left turn. <laughs> and I realized a lot of these people that I gravitate towards are people who I can clearly tell they've been discipled. They're very generous in their hearts. It's not about them. They're pretty humble people. And they're pretty secure. Like there's nothing that rubs people the wrong way than insecure people. Because they are fake. They're not very authentic. They try to appear a certain way. It's just, it's just a wrong, it's a bad feeling. And then pastors always ask, how, how many people in your church? I'm like, eh. well, I don't know. You come and check it out. We're 30%. I don't know, 50%. But we have online and there's animals watching, you know, there are, I don't know, it's just like, furnitures are watching it. Because people who watch it online, they just go to the bathroom and eat and do other stuff, so. But you know what he says? He says, all scripture is God, what, breathed, it's breathed out by God. That phrase, breathed out by God, is translated as Inspired. So God's word is inspired. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean by inspired? It simply means that all of God's words were given through people, supernaturally anointed. That means that God has infused his heart, his knowledge into the people through the Holy Spirit so that they will write without error. So if you talk to anybody about the validity, the reliability of Scripture, they will always say, those who are conservative, who believe in this, the Word of God being the Word of God, God's Word breathed upon uh, people who wrote this. The early manuscripts, the ones that were actually written by the apostles, are the ones with no error. Now as many of these Scriptures were being translated and copied and written, there was always mistakes. So, so those Those errors, they're made by humans, but the ones that were breathed out by God to people supernaturally to write it with no errors, that is the word of God that we are in reference to. That's why in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 through 21, listen to what it says in the NLT. It says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. So let's just pause there. That all these prophetic words, everything that we see in the Bible, it did not come from human means or human initiative. But it says this, no, these prophets were what? Moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Moved by the Holy Spirit. So they wrote that. Now, why is God's word so powerful? It's because it's not written by like any other author. It's written by God. Breathed out inspire so that these writers who are human wrote it out through the unction and the power and the anointing supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. This is why Paul says all scripture as it's inspired by God, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Some of you who don't really know a lot about scripture and even old English, you're like, what does that mean, profit? It makes, it makes money. Uh, reproof, what is that? So let me give you the NLT translation, the New Living Translation. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God and it is, come on, say this, useful to teach us what is true. Stop right there. The word of God is useful. That's what it means, be profitable. It is useful for teaching us what is true and to what? Make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Stop right there. That the word of God is actually so good that it will show you what's wrong with you in your life. Some of you are like, what's wrong with me? Who am I? You guys do like the Myers-Briggs because you want to find out who you are. You do the anagram to find out who you are. You do all these things to find out who you are. And I'm not saying those things are bad. Actually, they're helpful. But when you know the word of God, you will really know who you are. Can I get a good amen to that? And it says, it what, come on, corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what right. This is the word of God. This is what it does to us. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this carefully, but yet directly, even to the point if it's going to offend you. This is the reason why some of us in this room and those of us who are watching, you are not growing spiritually. You're not growing in maturity Because you are not reading God's Word. You're reading all these other textbooks that will not transform. Organic chemistry will not transform your life. Well, let me take that back. It will because it will make you depressed, stressed out. It will transform your life that way. Harry Potter, some of these other books, that you it will transform you in a different way. But I'm telling you right now, there is no other writings in this world that can transform you and have the power to transform you. So here you are, going to meeting after meeting, life group after life group, and you do your little Bible exercise, and you think somehow you're transforming, and I'm telling you right now, unless you read the Word on your own to study it, because this is God's living Word, you're not going to be able to transform. You're not going to be able to experience that true change. It has to come because you're hungry for the Word, because you want to know God, who is your ultimate teacher, your ultimate leader, the ultimate discipler. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, in the New Living Translation, once again, it says, for the word of God is what? Everyone say it, alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And say this, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Some of you have no clue who you are. Some of you are so blinded to your own motives that it's wicked. And you, you cover it with niceties and say, oh, I'm just doing it to help people. But it's really for yourself. Because the word of God is not illuminating into your heart. You realize, oh, I'm trying to do it for God, but I also see my own wickedness out of my own insecurity. That's why sometimes when he brings disciples and mentoring relationships, they're trying to direct you to say, there are some things that you don't see. That the word of God is consistently trying to speak to you about, but you haven't been reading, you haven't been listening to God. The message translation says this, God means that he sa- what he says, what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as what? A surgeon's, any medical students, you know how sharp that is? Ding, dead. That thing is sharp. That's how sharp God's word is. It cuts into your heart, your mind, because there's a lie that you believe it. Cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense. Man, I'm telling you right now, we are so good. We are so good at being defensive. Do you, what do you, we're so good at being defensive? You don't even have to try. It just comes naturally. Defensive. It's just a like defensive. A word comes a like defensive. That is your natural, all of our natural reaction. So every single time I meet a defensive person, I realize that's just natural, but you're not growing. Because some of defensiveness is a self-centeredness, a narcissistic tendency because you're trying to make yourself feel better. You don't want to take responsibility. You play the victim. No wonder you don't grow. You will never grow when you play the victim. It is a surgeon's scalpel to cut you up to go really deep into your doubts and even your desires and even your defensiveness. There's a three Ds for you right there. Cuts and deep. I'll cut you up. That's what the Word of God says. (laughs) It's not my... And what does it do? Oh, this is good. Laying us what? Open to listen and obey. When you read the word of God, it's going to completely open you up and say, God, I surrender. I'm, t- I'm tired of living this way. I need you to cut me up and so that I will listen and obey. Listen to what the Amplified version, it just it adds more stuff. And I'm just going to read it. I don't have to read the yellow section. I'm just going to read it quickly here. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. Have you ever felt that? Energized effective in the things that you do and it works in your life it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit and the completeness of a person Wow. like everything about you who you are the complete wholeness of it is cutting through all those things both through the joints and marrow the deepest part of the nature just those areas that you don't like to visit you don't even show people the word of God is going to expose it in your heart exposing and judging that's what the word of God does that's why those people who know the word, who's a mentor or a discipler, they're able to use the word to help you to see and judge where you are. Not judgmental to hate you, but to judge it to say, hey, brother, hey, sister. The very thoughts and intentions of the heart. But what is the re- result? Why, why, why the word of God? Why should we do this? What is the result? The result is this, that every believer can be complete and equipped for every good work. The word complete is translated as prepared, capable, proficient, fit, conditioned. It's going to be ready you for something, to be used of God. The word "equip" means to be furnished. It furnishes us to live in a way that pleases and honors God. That's why these two translations, it says this of that last phrase, so that God's people may be up to the task ahead and have all that they need to accomplish every good work. And the passage translation says, then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to what? Everyone say this, fulfill any assignment God gives you. Man, I'm telling you right now, this is it right here. Any assignment, what is God's assignment for you? What is God telling you to do at that workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school? What is the assignment that God has for you? Because you're not going to be able to do it, and you're not going to be prepared to do it unless the Word of God is in your life. That's why when we make a kingdom investment, we will see God's kingdom advancement. I'm going to do something. I know it's about 12, but can I, I'm going to do an exercise that I actually practiced this with couple, several people, and I want to prove to you and show to you And this coming life group, I want you to practice it. Let me give you a couple things just in light of this message. First of all, with Timothy and Paul, Paul and Timothy, first of all, spend intentional time with people. Spend intentional time with people. So every single time you get together, there's an intention, intentionality. Why are you going to meet with them? You want to encourage them? You're going to try to challenge them? You're going to read the Word together? You're going to go out and serve together? There should be intentionality. Am I building relationship with them? Am I building trust with them? What is your intent? It's like every girl wants to know the guy's intent. Why are you WhatsApping me at 12 o'clock midnight? Why are you asking me for some coffee? What is your intent? There's no girl who goes, la, la, la. Yeah, whatever you want. There is no girl. Unless you're totally blind, lady. Every girl wants to know the guy's intention. Why are you focusing in on me? Why are you contacting me? If you're not, then you probably have some other ulterior motives as well, along with the guy. And guys, we are created in such a way, and not to say we're hunters, but we are focused on a mission. So we're not going to just be, this is what I'll say, he contacted you at 12 midnight? Bro, what the heck are you doing, man? Oh, pastor, I contact all the sisters in my life group at 12. (laughs) that's you, then I'm like, praise the Lord, brother. <sighs> Trying to encourage the sisters in our church. See, that part I'm okay with. Because you're being, what, consistent and not showing favoritism. But if you're counting to that one girl and not anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ladies... That's why some, some of you ladies, I flirt flirtatious. So you're just like, oh, okay, that's so cute. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's worse when you know there's no way. He is so, uh, there's no way. So you're kind of like, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding like. So when I'm feeling insecure, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding a going But you're not going to go for him. All the brothers are like, uh-huh. <laughs> So state your intention, brothers. <laughs> Spend intentional time with people. I don't know how I got into that. It's not even in my notes. <laughs> That's the actual relationship with others, which is, by the way, next week. You want, you want to invite your friends because I'm going to be talking about Isaac and Rebecca. Mm, I take you, Rebecca. Huh? It's going to be good stuff. <laughs> next week. Invite your friends. <laughs> if you don't sign up early, at least get the popcorn ready and watch. <laughs> Second, study God's Word. Do the soap. Study it. Don't just do the soap, but maybe study it. There's so many resources online. You could look at it and you'd be like, oh, that's what it means. Oh, that's the history behind it. Lastly, saturate your mind with God's Word. And this is something that I actually did. And I'm going to ask for some volunteers Really quickly, I'm going to end with this. There's no closing video or anything. I'm going to close with this. But we're going to practice this during our life group, and I pray they will transform your life. The problem with many of us is that we read the Word, but it doesn't change us because we're just reading it as a textbook. So many of you have memorized Scripture, but you memorized it because you're going to get in trouble on the missions team if you don't memorize it. So you lose the purpose and the reason why. So we we'll, Earlier, several weeks back, I was talking with somebody. And as I was talking with somebody, they're struggling with just different mindsets. And so I, I had this person say this verse and in some ways memorize it, but just say it. And after they memorized it, they were like a little bit shocked because they were actually able to memorize a verse. And I was shocked too because I'm like, oh, how did they do it? Oh, wow. And so it was like one of those wow moments in that time. And then right afterwards, I, usually I'm sitting at a cafe, and people are the ones who are moving back and forth. And so that person left, and another person came. And then they were sharing with some stuff, and they were struggling with different things. And I realized it was a mindset issue. So I said, you know what? I just tried something with somebody just before you. I'm going to try it with you. Tell me if this works. And so we tried it, and guess what? It worked. And I'm like, whoa, two for two. That was on a Tuesday. And then on a Friday, I was meeting with somebody, and this person was sharing about things that they were struggling with and their mindset all off. And so I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be able to take that verse, and I want you to memorize it and say it and do all this stuff. And then guess what happened? They did it. And they're like, whoa. And I went, whoa. So then three for three, and I was thinking Saturday is our leaders meeting. So I said, I'm going to try it on all the leaders. So I taught the leaders how to do this. And then they're like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, and I'm like Yeah. And then this past week, on Friday, I met with some other people for LCG, and I was sharing with them, like, this is what I'm learning, and this is something God's been teaching me of just ministering to people. So we did it uh, together at a restaurant, a, you know, a loud restaurant. We were just sitting there, and we were just doing it. And they were like, whoa. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's not a scientific proof, but all I can say is I did it with many people, and it seems to be true. So let me tell you how to do it, saturating your minds with Scripture. I'll demonstrate it, and then I'm going to ask for some volunteers. Listen to what, how we're going to do this, all right? Actually, let me, let me ask for two volunteers. Can I have two bold people? Maybe one sister, one brother, anybody? Come on. <laughs> okay. Come, come, come on up, Aldo. Can we get a sister? Hi, Victoria. Okay, you guys can stand over here. Okay? a Sam right here? OK, Yeah, yeah. And now I pronounce you. know, OK, anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, unless, unless... You might have to turn around, and maybe you can move more this way so you can get away from the screen, okay? So this is what I'm going to do. Here's a verse in the Bible that many of you know. So what we need to do is, first of all, you need to mouth out the words phrase by phrase. But not only mouth it out, but you're mouthing it out as you're explaining it to yourself. Afterwards, you start memorizing it as you mouth it off. You keep on saying it. And then you think about it. You meditate on it. And then afterwards, you're going to be able to say it. So here's a famous verse, and I will say something like this. For God so loved God, who created all the universe, who's so different from me. For God so loved. He didn't just love. He so loved me. For God so loved the world, not just me, but even the world, those who are lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That God, in his generosity, is a giving person. He gave his one and only. So it's unique. There's only one son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, which requires anybody who will put their faith and trust in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him says, shall not perish, so you're not going to die, you're not going to wither away, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What I just did right now is I memorized a scripture. Now, I'm demonstrating because this is probably, many of you have memorized it before, simple. But I'm showing you how it's done. Uh, can I at least make sure this is legit and real? I did not contact you prior to this, Aldo.
2: I testify you did not contact me prior
1: He testifies <laughs> that I did not contact him before. Praise the Lord. And Victoria, can I also have you? I did not contact you? No. I haven't seen you for a while since uh, life group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, every single time I go, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. They're like they all get like sometimes embarrassed because they're like oh does he know that I didn't come last week or whatever <laughs> what I'm trying to say is me personally I haven't seen you for a while because usually I'm up here and you guys are over there and you guys go and eat I have a weird feeling a lot of people are going to eat sushi today but anyway uh <laughs> so I'm not judging you in any way so that's what I mean okay so Eldo would you like to have the ladies go first or would you like to go first and set the example See, when you're not sure, that's passivity. So you got to be determined. <laughs> okay, okay, what would you, I'll go first. Oh, wow!
2: <laughs>
1: okay. Here's the first verse. Um, yeah.
2: So it has so like the structure is like more like okay, so the first
1: S- say phrase by phrase. Phrase talk, by phrase. Talk through it and then go back and say it. Next phrase, go back and say the whole thing, and then we'll see if you can memorize it, okay? Okay. Um,
2: My flesh and my heart may fail. Um, My body may get sick. My heart may get heart attack. (laughs) 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 But, but (laughs) but But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever but God is since God is is our power is our foundation uh, comes the uh, becomes the strength of our hearts and also like as we are can't, can't be satisfied that he becomes my portion forever okay, Say it again so my flesh and my heart may fail but <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.
1: Oh. <laughs> Victoria, one suggestion is to not say the phrase too long. Usually about three or four words at a time so that you actually marinate into your mind. Okay, so next verse, random. Next one. No. No. <laughs> <time, laughs> Praise God, that's good, that's good. No! We are more Just than say conquerors.
0: no. Yes. Uh, in everything, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Uh, no, in all these things, Christians are more than conquerors, more than winners. Through him, through Jesus, who loved us.
1: Go ahead and say it. Or just say it again. (laughs) I'm
0: going to try again. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us and died for
1: us. Okay. So now can you look at the audience and say it?
0: (laughs) Okay. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can grab a seat. If you do this one a day, let's just say one a week, but after one year, you're going to have 52 Bible verses that are lodged into your heart and your mind. There's so many verses about when you're discouraged, when you need hope, when you feel like you're struggling, trials, what would it do for your life? What would it do when you interact with people or you're doing LCG with? I pray that this coming week as we practice this together, that we'll make a commitment to this because that's what Paul taught Timothy. And Timothy now is teaching other people and those people to other faithful people. This is how we're going to transform the world. It's not through a vision alone. It's not through a leader trying to lead people, but it's through the word of God. May the word of God be a part of us and we live it in obedience to him and we'll see life transformation. Can we stand together as we close out in prayer? Can I ask us just to bow our heads for a moment? And once again, I want to just... Highlight those two points that I made. Are you living your life impactfully? Impacting people's lives around you? It's gonna be very hard if you don't spend time with people with intentionality. You're not gonna be able to impart faith, a life of purpose, excitement for Jesus, Valuing the things that are so important if you're not in relationships with people, whether it's your LCG, your life group members, people in this church, your life stage, people who are older, people who are younger. Maybe what some of us need to do is just to humble ourselves and repent and say, you know what, I've been spending time with just by myself. And I made it all about me. Maybe this coming week, You will spend some intentional time with people. Also we must learn intentionally. You're not going to change just automatically. The Word of God is not going to stick in your mind just if you don't put the effort and the work. It takes work. Maybe some of us this week we're going to get back to doing the soap. You haven't sent soap out for two weeks. And some of the people in your group are saying, hey, we haven't heard anything from you. And now they're they're getting sick and tired of constantly asking you. Give them a heart attack. Your heart may fail, as we saw today. (laughs) Send a soap and say, I got convicted by the word today, and I'm going to do my soap. Here it is. Put the work in memorizing, meditating. Meditating marinate let it marinate in your mind and in your heart you can do it i just showed you and i did this the last two weeks and it's been proven and i'm thinking god why didn't i learn this faster why didn't i know this earlier i know memorization is important i told people to memorize but the way we're doing it i really believe it's going to transform your life just watch when Satan. Whispers lies to you this week when he tries to discourage you. When situations happen that are outside of your control, you begin to speak these words because you meditated on it, you marinated on it. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to become sharper than any double edged sword so deep, penetrating into our hearts, into our joints, into our marrows, every single part of us. And it's going to go deep, exposing our hearts, our intentions, and our desires. And we're going to be like, God. I repent of my desire to be in control. You're the one in control. I trust in you. Don't do this alone. Do it with other people. Do it in relationship. And just see your life grow. So Lord, I just pray for these brothers and sisters. And anybody at the sound of my voice and who's watching. I just pray, God, that as we think about our lives, our lives are so short. We don't know when we're going to pass away. But with the one life that we have, we want to be able to impart it. Some of the lessons and the joys of walking with you, even the trials. We want to be able to share our lives with other people. Lord, when we die, we want to stand before you and think about all the people that we were able to influence. All the people that we were able to impact with the gospel message. Lord, may we live for something greater and not just for ourselves. Help us be intentional this coming week with spending time with people and God I pray that your word will be the foundation your word will be the thing that will help us to keep on growing to keep on transforming by the renewing of our minds so Lord as we implement your word into our lives this week Lord we we can't wait to hear the great testimonies we love you we thank you you're awesome And I pray that anyone who's struggling, Lord, even this morning, that you renew their hope in you. Mount on wings as eagles. They will run and not be weak and walk and not be faint. They will experience the power of who you are through your word. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And all God's people said... Amen, amen, amen Praise the Lord
0: Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net